Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. I'm only human, after all, don't put the blame on me. Don't put the blame on me. I'm only human, I made mistakes. I'm only human, so all it takes to put the blame on me. Don't put the blame on me. Hey, what's up, 11 a.m.? How you guys doing? Welcome to church. Uh, hey, by the way, if you have a little extra room around you, an extra seat, just help our ushers out. We've still got people coming in, and uh, we may need the room. So squeeze in if you have a chance and help them as they, as they uh, try to seat people. But uh, welcome to ACF. If you are new, we're just glad that you're with us here this morning. Um, if you're back from Christmas trying church again, we're excited that, uh, that you're with us today. You are at the beginning of a brand new series uh, called All the Feels, and uh, we're going to be, um, for the next seven weeks, talking about what it means to be emotionally healthy people. Uh, Before we get too far, can we give a huge welcome to everybody with us online as well? Let's thank them for being with us. Um, we are, you know, you guys, lots of good stuff happening in our church and in this community, and we're just excited to be a part of it. Even just looking back into last year uh, at what God did through uh, all of the things that happened uh, here in ministry at our church during the year, as well as uh, our Christmas Eve services. We had five services. Uh, we had 2,172 people across all five of our services. Those are people, absolutely, yeah, we can thank God for that. Those are people that came to church that heard the gospel and, and, uh, we believe every one of those people matters deeply to God and, and we're just glad that, uh, that they were with us for that. Um, we also, again, we have this kind of online growing, uh, community that is, uh, with us via video and I, I got this cool picture from a friend of mine. Um, this is Mark Duvall, and he just sent this to me uh, via Facebook. He was just glad that he had a chance to be part of ACF um, from a distance. This is him watching the Christmas Eve service from uh, behind some sandbags in Afghanistan. So um, be praying for those who are away. Be praying for the families and the people who are kind of keeping it strong here at home while many people are deployed and out of state and out of country. And so uh, definitely grateful for that, which, by the way, if you want to be part of that team, uh, they could use some help. So uh, you can go up to engage after service and uh, we'd love to get you involved with that. Um, so we are in this new series called All the Feels and uh, some of you, I just want to start off with this, some of you are already disconnecting from this because you're like, I don't think this is for me. Um, I'm not a very emotional person. I don't like emotions. I'm all about the facts. Just give me some facts. Open up the scriptures, Brian, and we will do that. But I just want you to know, like, God has created us as emotional beings. Like, we all have emotions, and even though maybe we don't want to acknowledge them, or maybe we've even seen in our, in our lives or in our family's lives that emotions have taken over and uh, have resulted in unhealth, uh, we really believe that this is something that God has a lot to say about. And as we go through the next seven weeks, we're going to see that God himself is an emotional being. 
And that we even see him in the life of Jesus expressing emotions. And, and so we need to kind of be okay with this conversation. In fact, I think we need to lean in harder to it. And, and uh, we're going to base a lot of this on a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And I'd encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to go pick this book up in the lobby, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, if you're like a Kindle person, download it online. We don't care where you get it. Um, just pick up a copy of the book and uh, and you'll be able to see that I'm stealing almost everything from Pete Scazzaro. So uh, I just want to give credit where credit is due. This is uh, a conversation that I've been having um, with friends and, and with my family for, for a few years now because of this book. And it's really um, instilled a lot of health into my relationships and I believe into my relationship with God. And all of our ACF groups for the next seven weeks will be studying the book together. So this is a great chance uh, to get into a group, to get involved with some kind of community during the week, um, to, to uh, have more conversation about this. What you're going to realize um, at the end of this morning is you're going to probably have more questions than answers. And you need a place to wrestle through that uh, with other people. And oftentimes we don't see our emotional unhealth. We don't, we don't see what's wrong in ourselves. We actually need a community around us to help us with that. And that's why Sunday, this church thing that we do, this is not like an afterthought. This is a really important time where we gather with other people and we grow together and build relationships so that we can uh, move forward. So uh, what I want to say as we start this off is, is that I believe that the faith that we have in many ways isn't working. I believe the faith that we have in many ways isn't working. And maybe you felt this in your own life where um, you see that there's, there's this life that God has called you to, this life that you believe that you should walk into. And at the same time, you see a sharp contrast between that and your own life. And as we look at the world around us, we see that in many ways, Christians are not living in uh, the life that God has given them. And there's some statistics that I think speak to this specifically. Um, I don't know if you know this, but in general, the number of people who would identify themselves as professing Christians, believers in Jesus, is declining in the United States. There are fewer and fewer people saying, hey, I am a follower of Jesus. Lots of reasons for that. Um, lots of pressure against that. There, there's even a, a lot, I think, a, a kind of a stigma with Christianity and, and evangelicalism in the United States right now that we have to deal with. Um, we're seeing that uh, in the broader culture of the United States, people are becoming more and more opposed to the values of Scripture and the values that God has placed before us. So in general, people are like, I don't know if that matters. Maybe that's an old antiquated way of seeing the world. Uh, an estimated 8 out of 10 youth from Christian homes walk away away from um, their faith by age 23. So that's something to acknowledge, right? As a parent, if you're a parent of a teenager, that uh, many teenagers, they get into high school, get into college, and by the end of college, they're just sort of walking away from church if they haven't done it already, which is why for us, uh, we really value what we do with students. We have a ministry called Breakaway for all of our high school and junior high students, and, and that's not babysitting. That is actually training of a generation to walk faithfully in, in step with Jesus in into their college careers. And so we're seeing that one out of four American Christians study the Bible regularly. One out of every, so one out of every four of you in the room has read their Bible some other time this week. And the other three of you are just hoping that I do a really good job this morning. Like, you're like, I don't know. He says he's reading the Bible. I'm not sure, but you're taking my word for it, which is absolutely dangerous. So don't do that. Read your Bible. But a lot of people don't. I get it. You know, you open up the app, you, you know, keep the Bible in the car. Um, it used to be funny. We'd find Bibles around, you know, after church and I always open it up and find the name and hope that I know them so that I can like shame them this week. Like, did you read your Bible? Oh yeah, man. How can you read it? I've got it right in my hand. So 
Anyway, um, I'm just kidding. We don't shame people. That's not nice. Um, church members, this is shocking. Church members um, have almost an equal divorce rate as non-church members. This is kind of a shocking statistic. Um, church members are um, experiencing as much spousal violence as non-church members. The statistics are almost the same. Um, if you took a stat from this gathering or outside of the church, um, we're seeing that church members' giving patterns indicate that they're almost as materialistic as non-church members or non-self-professing Christians. So once again, we're, we're like, well, what's the difference? Why does any of this matter? Uh, we, we see the statistics that, that white evangelicals are the most likely people to object to neighbors of another race. So if that's the category that you find yourself in, like I do, it's like, well, what's the deal? Why is this? What's the, what is the disconnect between what we see as life in Christ, the values of Jesus, and what we actually live in the world today? We're seeing a sharp contrast. And so I would say this, in many ways, our faith is not working in the world, looks in at the church, and they're like, well, what's the difference? What's, why would I go to church? Why would I, uh, you know, find out more about this God that you say you follow if there's really no difference at all? And one of the statements made in the book that I just want to reiterate here is that you cannot separate emotional maturity and spiritual maturity. That if you're here and you're like, man, I'm, I'm really spiritual, spiritually mature, you cannot be spiritually mature if you're not emotionally mature. And that's why this really matters because there's, okay, knowing the right thing, there's, you know, memorizing a lot of scriptures or being in church or whatever it is, but then there's actually living it out, believing it with your heart, being passionate about what God is passionate about. And that really comes from emotional health. And, and so I'm just going to be honest about myself. I need this. I need this in my life. I need to grow in this area. In fact, we, uh, we just did a fireworks show, which was a ton of fun. Did you guys go to that? That was awesome. Uh, exploding stuff for Jesus. Yay. Uh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And, and we saw a huge crowd out there. And, and I love those events. Um, I used to be in charge of a lot of those events. And now Pastor Stewart does it um, and oversees all of your teams, does a great job with that. And so I get most of the time to just show up and walk around and have a lot of fun. And so let me start with this. Let me just admit, I have an ego. Anybody else have an ego in the room? Okay, six of you have egos. That's cool. Um, if you ever meet a pastor that says he doesn't have an ego, it's because he has too big of an ego to admit that he has an ego. So um, I have an ego like everybody else. So, you know, I go to these events and it's exciting to see, you know, a crowd. And we, we wanted to make sure that, that the community knew that this was the church that was being a blessing. Um, not so that we could get credit, but because a lot of times people see Christians as, you know, doing the bait and switch. Like, okay, you're going to do something good, but with a string attached. And so we just set out to serve our community with no strings attached. And we want to make, make sure that people go, okay, that was the people of God that were a blessing to me and my family. And so we're out there, we're walking around and, and got around one of the fire pits and I'm standing there with, uh, with my mother-in-law and we're talking about the event and, and we actually hired a company to do the, the fireworks themselves. It wasn't like me out there with a Roman candle, which would be awesome. I wanted to do that, but we hired a company to do it and, and she was wondering like, hey, who's actually, you know, doing the fireworks? Um, and so she asked, she said, hey, who's doing the fireworks, Brian? And this lady from across the fire, she goes, she goes, oh, it's ACF Church that did the fireworks, you know? And so I hear this and I'm thinking, okay, this is the moment, right? This is the moment of glory where somebody's like, oh, and this is the pastor at the church, right? Oh, thank you so much for doing this great event. And, you know, I'm just kind of preparing for all of the glory of this moment. And, uh, and uh, my mother-in-law, she looks at the lady, she goes, oh, oh, this is the pastor at ACF Church. And I'm like, I'm smiling. And and this other lady across the way, she looks at me and she goes, no. 
was like, what? She goes, no, he's way younger than that guy. She, she, she said he's younger. This is funny. She said he's younger and he has long hair. And I'm like, now you just showed your cards. It's been two years since I've had long hair. I used to have the long Jesus hair if you've been around for two years. So anyway, I cut the hair off. But I'm like, it's been two years since you've been to church. But I didn't bring any of that up. So anyway, it was just one of those moments where I'm like, what a waste of money, right? I didn't get the glory. I didn't get any credit for this. And, and walked away disappointed. But the fireworks were cool. So... I don't know if you've ever been there in your own, you know, just, just a realization of your own pride and uh, your own ego and, and like, ah, why, why do I have immaturity like that in my life? But it does. It wells up in all kinds of different ways all throughout my life that, man, I need to grow in this area. And, and you know, I'm just going to share a little bit of my journey, if I can, with you, um, just because it's therapy for me. And uh, so I'm just going to, sometimes I wonder as a pastor how much just to put out there. Um, and so I'm just going to kind of lay a little bit of where I've come out f- for you um, so that you can kind of maybe connect with some of that. But I have been on a journey towards uh, both spiritual health as well as emotional health. Um, I, many of you might not know, I didn't plan on being a pastor at a church. This wasn't like my dream. I wasn't like the little kid that made his own little soapbox pulpit and like, you know, had his Bible and his own little congregation and, you know, set his brothers and sisters up together to preach. I, I never did that. Um, I actually went to school to be a diesel mechanic and that was the trade I'd planned on getting into. And uh, so I got into, into high school I was involved with my church and helping out here and there, and they just kept giving me opportunities. And so they were like, hey, you want to help out with junior high? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure, I'll do that. They're like, hey, you want to lead the junior high youth group? And I'm like, well, I've never done that before, uh, but okay, I'll give that a shot. They're like, hey, you want to you wanna help lead the music and the band? And I'm like, well, I play guitar. Sure, I'll, I'll help with that. And before I knew it, um, I was being offered a, an opportunity to work full-time at a church, which I didn't even know like, was a thing. I was like, you can go work at a church. It's going to be like a living that you work at a church and, and wrestled through that. And, and uh, my wife and I then moved uh, to go be part of a church. And it, it was so exciting. A really exciting season of my life where um, I was growing a lot uh, theologically. I was in the scriptures, learning the word of God. I was excited about the church, excited about what I was a part of. And it was a really awesome season for about three or four years. And then as I developed, as I grew, what, what happened is I started kind of getting this, this tension in my life between what I believed the church should be and what it actually was. And some of you have dealt with this before, where you come into a church and you're like, here's what I think it should be, and honestly, I'm struggling because it's not quite what I, what I think it should be, um, because it's a gathering of human beings, and when you, when you get a bunch of people together, what you get is a mess. That's just what you get. Um, and so that's, what, that's every church, every community is, is people who are messy people, all at their different places in the journey, but I wasn't okay with that. I wasn't okay with that. I was upset that the church wasn't what I wanted it to be. And so over the next few years, this negativity in my heart just began to grow and develop. And I began to be really discouraged and frustrated with the church. And, and, and instead of helping the situation, I think what I started doing was criticizing and hurting the situation. And in, fa- in fact, I developed such a negativity towards the church that um, if you would have asked me, would I want to be part of my church if I didn't work there? I would have said no. Like, I don't want to be part of this church, but I kind of have to be because it's my job. And so it was a really, obviously, you're like, that's pretty unhealthy. Yes, an unhealthy place to be. And so I began criticizing and I think even hurting the church in a lot of different ways. I went on a vacation 
And uh, while I was gone, there was a little meeting that happened amongst the leaders um, of the church. And I came back and the pastor met with me and he's like, hey, Brian, we had a conversation and uh, you no longer work here. And uh, it hit me hard. It hit me really hard. I remember just bursting into tears, um, frustrated, angry, upset. I called my wife, Amanda, and I was like, I just got fired I was like, from a church, which for whatever reason hit me really hard. Like it felt like another level of loser to be fired from a church. But I was like, I just got fired from a church. And she was kind of like, you know what? Good riddance. It's all over. Uh, We'll move on. And we hung up the phone. She called me back five minutes later in tears. And she's just like, oh my goodness, what does this mean? And, And what does this mean for our life? And so I left that day and I went home and just angry and depressed and upset. And I didn't know what to do. And so we started kind of going to some other churches um, now that I didn't have a job and I was free on Sunday mornings. And so I went to these other churches and all I could do was criticize. All I could do is sit there and pick apart everything that I thought was wrong with these, these, other, these other communities. And I was really, really broken, really unhealthy and experienced depression, I think, for the first time in my, in my life where I just didn't want to get out of bed. I was sleeping all day long and one of my buddies, he grabs me and he's like, hey, let's get together. And, you know, I know you're really, you're really depressed. Let's go up to the mountains. And, you know, he brings me up. We go camping. He opens up this, like, box of cinnamon whiskey. And we drink more cinnamon whiskey than anybody should ever drink. And I wake up the next morning and, like, I've got a headache and my problems, right? Which you all know doesn't make anything better, right? The problems are still there. And now my head hurts. And I'm, I just remember that next morning going, what is my life at this point? Like, wh- how did I get here, like months ago, I was leading worship in a church and part of this, you know, leadership team. And, and now here I am just frustrated, angry with the people of God, angry with the church. And, and it's honestly, if you've heard me talk before about the de-churched, um, that we as ACF Church have a huge heart for those who have been maybe wounded by or, or broken by uh, Christians or by the church. This is really why I have such a heart for you, uh, because I was the de-churched. Um, I was working in a church, and yet I was struggling with that community. Um, and, and so if you're a skeptic and you don't know what you think of me, I, I just, I'm glad that you're here. I'm really glad that you're part of this. And, and so what I want you to know, for me, here's what I realized. I realized I was learning theology. I was in the church. I was serving. I was doing a lot of really good stuff, but I was emotionally really immature. And so all of the theology and all of the the learning that I could have ever done in the world, none of that can make up for somebody who's just a really emotionally immature person. And I was able to begin to see that over the next few years. In fact, we moved up to Alaska, and and, uh, this was about nine years ago. Uh, Came up here and was a part of ACF Church. And in, in so many ways, you guys, my heart has been healed through you guys. Uh, my heart has been healed through seeing a community of people who are just devoted to authenticity, devoted to being honest about their stuff and just coming as you are, uh, a family that I could have here in Alaska that's a long ways away from my family back down in Wyoming. And so you guys just need to know, like, I was healed through the church. And so if you're here today and you're just like, man, I don't know if I belong here, I just want you to know you can experience healing uh, in, in a family of God. And, and, and so that's been my journey, and I just want you to consider, you've probably gone through something similar in your life where you had the bottom fall out. You know, the, the relationship didn't work out as you thought it was going to, and then you had the big breakup or the big divorce. Uh, the job that was, you know, you were on a rocket ship towards the top, and then at some point there were budget cuts, or at some point uh, you just didn't have it, uh, what they wanted, so you got fired or laid off or whatever it is. Um, you know, the, the, the disappointments of life lead us to deal with our emotions, to deal with our feelings, and some of us deal with them in really unhealthy ways. 
And, and, and you, once again, you cannot be spiritually mature if you're not emotionally mature. And these are the steps that we want to take as a community to step towards spiritual maturity. So here's what I think. I, I want to talk about grace for a minute. Because what, what I think has been missing in a lot of people's expressions and experiences with the church is grace. And we talk a lot about grace as a church. And it's funny, um, a lot of people come to ACF and they're like, I've never heard a church talk so much about grace. When, when I look at the life of Jesus, and when I look at the ministry of Jesus, I see that like the base note of everything he does is grace. The foundation of all that he does on earth is grace. Really, the story that we see throughout scripture it is about grace. And in fact, I love this passage about Jesus coming to earth and being somebody of grace. It says this in John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I love the message translation. It says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. You see, for Jesus, he was the embodiment of God. He was the, he was the physical form of God come to earth. He's called the word made flesh. And he was the perfect expression of both grace and truth. And it's interesting, a lot of people pin those things up against each other. They're like, well, if you're going to be truth, truthful, you're not going to be gracious, you know? Or if you're going to be really gracious, you can't really be truthful. But what you see in Jesus' life is he wasn't like part one, part the other. He was fully both, fully gracious. And yet in his grace, he was willing to tell the truth. And you know what this is like, where somebody loved you enough to tell you the truth, right? Somebody loved you enough to be like, dude, you are jacking your life up. You need to fix this. You need to, you need to inspect this part of your life. You're going to lose it. You know, you're going to lose your marriage. You're going to lose this opportunity. You need to get it together. And they loved you enough to tell you the truth. This is how Jesus did things. He was able and willing to tell the truth. And this is what I hope to do every single week. I hope that you hear grace, but I hope that you hear the truth. And I hope that in all of that, that we are moved towards a life of Christ Jesus, the picture of grace and truth. Unfortunately, when people think about following Jesus, when people think about Christianity, they don't often think of grace, do they? Um, or truth. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 11, as he, th- he talks about this, this way that he's teaching people how to live. He says this in verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Does your relationship with God feel like rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't you want a faith that's like that? Like a light burden? In fact, in another translation, it says, learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. I mean, that's, for a lot of people, that is a paradigm-shifting way of seeing their faith in Jesus, that it could be a light burden, that it could be peppered in grace, and that it is something that we, uh, that we enjoy walking in. And you see, I think the reason that a lot of us feel like this, this whole Christianity thing is, is a burden is because we forget what it means to be human. You can write this down. Christianity becomes a burden when we neglect what it means to be human. We neglect what it means that, that we need grace, that we need help, And that we're not going to do this right. And so we need to be people who are grounded in grace and understand that at a base level, Jesus just says, come to me if you're burdened. Come to me if you feel like life is heavy and I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you rest for your soul. 
So we want to learn how to be human. We want to learn the absolute best way to be human beings. Here's my heart, is that when people see you, is that they look at your life as a, as a follower of Christ, and they say, you know what, that is absolutely the best way to be alive. People may look at your life and be like, well, you know, that's the best way to live. In other words, you make good choices, and, you know, you do the right thing, but do they look at your life and say, now that's the best way to be alive? That's the best way to be human. is, and, and that's how I believe the church should be because that's how Jesus was. And as we apprentice our lives to Jesus, we should be the embodiment of that to the world that when we live, people are like, man, those Christians know how to live, right? They know how to enjoy life. They know how to be healthy. They know how to be, be spiritually and emotionally and physically healthy people and soak up every opportunity that we have in this world around us. And so I want to talk about 10 different things real quick. We're going to walk right through this. 10 different signs of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. And so I believe that you're going to see yourself here. This is going to be a little bit of a mirror for many of you. Um, Because I would say that most of us don't know when we're emotionally unhealthy. We don't really realize it, um, but we really have a lot of growth to make. The first one is this. If you are using God to run from God, you might be emotionally unhealthy unhealthy. Now, what does this mean? Using God to run from God. This is the kind of person who has a lot of God activity, but very little spiritual intimacy with God. Like you do a lot of really good things. Maybe you're busy in the church. Uh, you know, maybe you're, you're doing a lot of projects or missions or outreaches or, or serving a lot of ministries. But man, honestly, you don't like to be alone with God. In fact, you're really uncomfortable with being with God. And so you use these, these good things as a way of running from actually getting to know God. Uh, You use these things as an excuse to get away from God. Doing things for God that God never asked you to do. Somebody's like, hey, here's an opportunity. You're like, I'll do that. Here's another opportunity. Well, I'll do that. And it gets you really busy. But instead of knowing God, you're just really busy for God. Here's the next one. You might be emotionally unhealthy. If you're somebody who is ignoring anger, sadness, and fear... Uh, we do this a lot where we just sort of set these things aside and don't deal with them. Many of you grew up in churches where maybe you walked in the doors and you were expected to smile. You were expected to be doing good. You know, when, when pastor whatever or deacon whatever was like, how are you doing? You were like, I'm great. You know, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? And you're like, no, I hate my life right now, right? But I can't say it because I'm in church. And, and so maybe this is you and you're like ignoring and there's anger and sadness in your, in your life. Maybe for you, as you look back at 2017, you're like, it was terrible. I didn't meet any of my goals, and I'm discouraged because here comes 2018, and I'm probably not going to meet any of those. And you need to talk to somebody about that and, and get some help to move forward with that. Number three, dying to the wrong things. Dying to the wrong things. Some Christians think that, you know, since God has called us to die to sin, which he has, that, that there's this, this constant journey. We wake up every day and we try to die to all of these, these negative desires that we have in our hearts that everybody is prone towards. And, and we choose a life of holiness. Since that's the case, since we're supposed to die to our sin, we should probably start to die to fun as well. And we should probably give up everything that we enjoy in life because maybe that'll make us a little bit more acceptable or pleasing to God, which is just not the case and definitely doesn't preach the right message to the world around us. So maybe that's you today and you, you died to everything, right? Because you're so spiritual, but you're actually emotionally immature. Number four, denying the impact of the past on the present. Do you know that your history is all over you? Do you know that um, that relationship that fell apart 
is all over you? Do you know that your parents are all over you, right? Um, whether they were present or maybe they were absent, maybe you didn't know a father or a mother, whatever the situation was, it's all over you. And maybe for the better or maybe for the worse, but it's all over you. And we tend to neglect that. And, and for me, at this point in my life, I feel like the, more, the older I get, the more I realize that I am becoming my dad. I just have realized that. And uh, of any man in the world that I want to be like, it would be my dad. And so that's a really good thing. And at the same time, I'm just like, it's funny. It's funny to me that the little things that I notice, the little ticks that I do that are just like my dad. Even, you know, I was back home visiting in Cheyenne. I went into his garage and he's got everything lined out in his garage. And I noticed his toolbox has this top drawer. You know how a lot of toolboxes have this top like lid and in the top there, nothing really is supposed to go there. It's where all the junk gets piled up, you know, stuff that you don't know where to put it, so you put it in the top. And, and so everything in his garage is very organized, except for that one spot of his toolbox. It's piled up like three feet high with like anything you could ever imagine in there, you know, wrenches and rags and silicone and anything you could imagine. And I go home and I look at my toolbox, same stupid pile. It's just crazy. It's just little things like that that I'm like, I am my father. And, and in many ways, that's for the better. But I also understand that I am a product of the situations I've come, f- come from, the things I've gone through, the choices that I've made. And we all, to some degree, have been impacted by our pasts. Number five, dividing life into secular and sacred compartments. Do you do this? Are you somebody different at work than you are at church? Are you somebody different at school than you are at church? Uh, I remember the, the, the first time I ran into a teacher at Walmart when I was a kid. I remember I was like in, I was like 13. Um, and, and I was like walking through Walmart. Here's my teacher. I see her down the aisle and she like, we, ca- we catch eyes. She looks at me and she runs the other way like the place is on fire. I swear to you. And I remember my mom's with me. I'm like, that was really weird. You know, uh, that was really bizarre. She just like ran right off. I was going to talk to her. And some of your teachers are like, I get it. I get it because you've got like the school life, but it's Saturday, right? And I don't want to be thinking about that kid that drives me crazy in fourth hour, whatever it is. And I totally understand it. But we do this sort of with God. We do this maybe with our relationship with God that there's sort of these locations and parts of our life that he's welcome in. And then these other parts that he's not welcome in. There are these portions that are like, no, this is, these are my plans, God, and you're not welcome there, but you are welcome for an hour on Sunday morning to speak to me, right? And so maybe you divide your life into secular and sacred compartments. Doing for God instead of being with God, that's another way that we can be unhealthy. Sort of like the first one that we talked about, um, that we, we're busy, we're doing a lot of stuff. In fact, for a lot of men in the church, I think we specifically struggle with this one. Um, for a lot of, a lot of guys, their favorite Sunday is, uh, Impact Eagle River, which is when we cancel church on a Sunday morning. We go out in our community and we change oil for single moms and, and parents of adoptive and foster families. And, and so we do all these projects. And for a lot of men, they're like, that is my favorite Sunday of the year because I know where I fit, right? I know where I fit in. I have a project to do. And you're not singing all this Jesus music and, you know, like I can go do something with my hands. But, but don't make me sit down in a room with a Bible and tell me to pray, right? Because I don't know what to do with myself in that moment. Like, we know how to do for God, but man, don't just, don't make me be with God, because I'm not sure what to do with that. And it's something we need to grow in. How about this spiritualizing away conflict? Did you know conflict can be a really good thing? 
Did you know that? Uh, I, I think in many ways in the church, we have missed opportunities because we don't know how to do conflict. And so instead of that, we've said, let's all just agree and smile, right? Let's just all agree and act like we're happy together. And everything's like this, like, we see everything exactly the same way, right? And we wonder why we're disunified when we leave this space. So we spiritualize away conflict. We don't deal with it. But, but here's the deal. Conflict is so essential to growth, isn't it? I mean, you have not grown as much as you have when somebody's disagreed with you. And you've had to work through what you believe and why you believe it. And that's what we want to do as a church, is have healthy conflict. Scripture talks about it as iron sharpening iron, which is always going to create some sparks, right? It's always going to create some, some tension and some conflict. So conflict is really good. It's why in our, in our staff, in our team, just ask any of them, are you okay with disagreeing with Brian? They'll be like, oh yeah, we do it all the time. People disagree with me all the time. I, and I love it because it makes all of us better. It helps us to grow. So uh, spiritualizing away conflict. Next one, covering our brokenness, weakness, and failure. That might be you. Uh, maybe you grew up in a, in a family or maybe you were taught, don't ever let them see a sweat. Don't ever let them see a struggle. Don't ever let anybody know that you have problems, that you have fear. Just put on that strength and show everybody that you are strong and that you've got no issues, that you're not weak. Don't let anybody see your weakness. And we've seen that as strength, right? When, when really it is a weakness to not let anybody see your weakness. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you are the kind of person that covers op- over that stuff. You'll do anything to hide your weaknesses. Number nine, living without limits. We tend to think it's very spiritual to not have any limits in our life, um, not have any boundaries. Uh, maybe you're the kind of person that you go from this ministry to that ministry or, or this group to that group. Uh, maybe you're the person that you literally just are constantly moving. And it might not just be spiritual things. It's just things, anything to not have to get into your own head and deal with your own thoughts. And so we don't create boundaries. And it's interesting in, in creation, in the creation account, one of the first things God does is he creates boundaries. You remember that? He creates a, a boundary. He, he gives a boundary to the seas and a boundary to the, the, the land. And he creates separation in the world. That was part of the creation of this way that the world's made. And then we know on the, on the seventh day, we say that God rested, right? God rested. Have you ever wondered why? You ever been like, man, that is kind of, was God like just totally worn out? Like, man, this is so hard to make. Man, those people are really complicated. The human heart, man, it's, it took me a while to come up with that. So, I mean, on day seven, I am beat. I mean, it's just time for a vacation, right? No, God is creating this, this rhythm. He's setting up a pattern for humanity to live by, to work and to rest and to work and to rest. And we're meant to do both. And boundaries are so essential to us thriving emotionally in this life. And the last one I want to talk about is judging other people's spiritual journey. Is this you? Do you do you look at people and kind of spiritually profile them? You ever do that? Maybe you already done this morning. You saw somebody walk in and you're like, they're not a Christian. You know, I can totally tell. I mean, look what she's wearing. Uh, you know, did you hear what he said? And, and when they say that or they wear that or they do this or that, I, I kind of know, I can tell where they're at with God. Do you know that's really unhealthy? <laughs> that's really unhealthy to do that. And so maybe this is you, and, and as I look at this list and I see myself in all of these things, I have to think there's a better way, right? I have to think that there is a better way, and we're going to spend the next seven weeks talking about that, but I want you to just kind of, for a few minutes here, as we close out, just to take a, an inventory of where are you at 
when it comes to your spiritual and emotional health. Where are you at? God has created you to thrive in both areas, to be spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy. God doesn't just say, well, you know what, you're going to live in eternity with me, and so your body and your emotions, none of those things matter. And some of you struggle with this because you're all about the truth, and you're like, just, it's all about the truth. But once again, the truth is part of what will help us be emotionally healthy. And we need to understand that God has given us emotions for a reason. There must be a better way to do this. So you might find yourself in one of these categories. I want you to figure this out. The first category is this, emotionally healthy and spiritually dead. This is much of the world around us. People are strung out. They're tired. uh, They don't get any sleep. They're anxious. You know, their phones are beeping off the hook. You know, they're working long hours. Things are not going well. Relational breakdown. And so they're emotionally unhealthy. And, oh, by the way, there is no God, right? They believe there is no God. There's nothing more to life. And so maybe you find yourself in that category today and you're like, yeah, I don't even know where I'm here at church today. I don't even know why I'm, I'm listening to this because I am emotionally unhealthy. And in fact, maybe you even blame God for your emotional unhealth. It's just interesting in the Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3, it says this. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. For many people, they are emotionally unhealthy because of the decisions they've made. We have chosen to not set boundaries. We have chosen not to deal with our anger. We have chosen to walk into unhealth and we are reaping the consequences. And what a lot of people do who don't believe in, who don't follow God is they, they, they blame God. They blame God for creating this situation that they find themselves in. They assume the victim mentality and, and I'm just a victim to all my situations that I'm in. So maybe that's you today. The next category is this emotionally healthy but spiritually dead. Did you know this exists? This is some of you maybe that are here today. Is that you are like doing well in life. I mean, when I'm talking about problems, you're like, bro, I got no problems. I'm doing really well. Like uh, my job's going well. I'm going snow machining up at Hatchers after church. Um, Like my wife, she's hot and beautiful and I love her. And my kids are like listening. And things are just like, life's ticking away, Brian. I'm doing well. I am emotionally healthy. I don't have issues with people. Like I'm doing really well. I, I just don't really believe in this God that you talk about. And I will tell you, this is the hardest group to reach. This is the hardest group to reach because we are, we are so distracted by our life of ease. In many ways, by the grace of God, the bottom falls out of our life. And we don't want to hear that, and we don't want to deal with it. But by God's grace, we go through these crisis moments of life, and we deal with it. And, and through those moments, for many of us, we reach out for anything, any kind of help we can find. And the hand that is waiting is the hand of God. He's saying, listen, I, I am here for you. I'm waiting for you. And so maybe you've been sort of deceived into thinking there is no God because you're doing so well. In fact, Second Corinthians 4, uh, verse 4 says, In their case... The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul is literally saying that Satan's way of deceiving the world is assisting in a life of ease and helping you to just continue to create a life of ease. And how do I just make myself more comfortable? How do I make my family more comfortable? And the more comfortable I get, the less I feel like I need God or the less I feel like I need to believe in God. And so maybe that's you today. You sort of have the eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, right? I mean, at some point I'll just kind of disappear, but for right now I'm just going to have a blast. Uh, the third category is this 
emotionally unhealthy, but spiritually alive. And I would say many of us are here in this place. And this is the category of people who are really going to need this series, is those of us who are like, you know what? I do love Jesus, and I have received grace from him, and I have crossed over from death into life, and I believe that if I were to die today, I would spend eternity with God, and yet my life is a total train wreck, right? And, and you know that can exist, right? You know that you can follow Jesus, and your life can get worse, actually. Things can get more complicated. In fact, for the most part, it does. So that's a great sales pitch. Uh, for many of us, that's where we're at. We're like, yeah, I, I know I love Jesus, and my spiritual heart is beating. I'm sort of on life support. Um, it's barely beating, but it's beating. And I know that I'm spiritually alive, but emotionally I am a mess. My relationships are not going well. Um, I don't feel like I'm passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. I don't feel like if people looked at my life, they would be like, no, that's a better way to be alive. When really that is what God has promised for us. Maybe you're emotionally unhealthy, but spiritually alive because of the choices that you've made. Again, you have, you've trusted in Jesus to some degree, but you're like, I don't want to give him all this other stuff in my life. I want to continue building my own kingdom and not God's kingdom and still reap the benefits of being in a relationship with God. And Paul talks about this kind of person in 1 Corinthians 3, and he says that literally their life's work will be burned up in the end. And they, they might get to heaven, but they're going to get there as one escaping the flames, like right on your heels. Like you're going to sort of power slide into eternity with God, having done nothing of value. And once again, like none of us want that life. We want to live lives of great value. And hopefully all of us can move into this last category in the next seven weeks, emotionally healthy and spiritually alive. Emotionally healthy and spiritually alive. This is the kind of person that's just unshakable. This is the kind of person that loves God, has great relationships with people, knows how to draw really good boundaries, knows how to have healthy conflict and then hug it out at the end, you know? This is the kind of person that I believe people will look in and be like, now that person knows how to live. That person knows how to be alive. And I, I, I want what they have. And, and we, can, we can choose this. This isn't based on circumstances. You can be going through really difficult things in life and be emotionally healthy and spiritually alive. And I want to talk about this last story. I'm going to go back to this passage with, with Martha. This is, uh, this is the death of Lazarus, Jesus' friend. Lazarus' sister, she is distraught about all that's going on. Um, she's called to Jesus uh, to come and, and, and to, to heal this man. And, and he, according to her, took, it, took his sweet time, basically. And she's struggling with Jesus. And here's how it goes in, in John 11, verse 21. It says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. First, we see Martha's able to deal with conflict, right? Would you be that gutsy? Start blaming Jesus? Hey, if you would have shown up, none of this would have happened, right? But they're friends, so she can be honest with Jesus. Verse 22. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. In other words, I know that even now in this dark situation where brother's dead, God will still redeem and restore this broken situation. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. In other words, she's like, I know that this didn't go as I wanted it to. But I know at one point, whether now or in eternity, you will restore my brother because he knows you. 
Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I think Jesus was making a point. I think Jesus was teaching Martha some things. Like, do you really believe what you say you believe in the face of death? Because if you're not emotionally healthy, the answer will be no. You can know all the theology you want. You can know all the, you have read all the books, you can read the Bible, you can know scriptures. But if you don't know in your gut somewhere that God still loves you in the face of death, you are emotionally unhealthy. And I want us to grow. I want us to to embrace this. And I I think this honestly is going to help us to actually be the church God wants us to be because emotionally healthy people are passionate people. I mean, believing in your soul that that what God wants for you and the, the vision that God has for your life is the best thing and you start to pursue those things with your whole heart, that will be a church that's making a difference in their city. And so that's my heart for us in the next seven weeks that we embrace this even if you're uncomfortable with the conversation, that you embrace that God has something for you, that what if you just could believe deep in your soul that Jesus can restore any broken situation that you find yourself in? What if you could be in that moment? What if you could have that kind of faith? I believe that we can. I believe that we can step forward with it. I believe that God has already promised it to us and we just have to receive it. So can we pray together? God, thank you for your grace to us, God. I thank you for what you've given me as I see myself in all of this. And um, God, I have so far to go. Uh, God, I just confess I don't trust you the way that I'd like to trust you. I let conflict fester longer than I should. And God, I don't know in, in some ways if people would look into my life and say, man, that's the best way to be alive. But God, you have, you've called us to much greater things. God, I just, I'm grateful that you want to give this to us. This isn't something to put on a to-do list. It's not another job. But God, that you want to grant us the life that we see in Martha. God, thank you for her example. As somebody who could be honest with you and yet be completely faithful and trusting in a moment of deep sadness. So God, I just want to pray for the person here today who finds themselves emotionally unhealthy and spiritually dead. Like, man, my life is a mess And I'm not sure there is a God. God, would you show yourself to them? Would you make yourself known to them? I want to pray for the person here today, God, who finds themselves in a situation where they're emotionally unhealthy but spiritually alive. Like, I know, God, that you're there, but I'm a a mess. That you would grant us the faith and the desire, the diligence that we need to step forward into better things in our lives. We love you, God. And I pray in the next few moments as we worship that we can truly worship here. God, not because we feel it, but because we know it to be true, Father, that you are here and that you are with us, that you can redeem any broken situation, that we can be steadfast in the face of even death. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.